Welcome back to Points of Change. And this is the show all about life transformations and finding those points in life where you turn things around and the tools and resources that can help you to do that, often by speaking to the experts, the professionals who are helping people to turn their lives around in specific ways, very often because they've done it themselves and it's areas that they care about. So my guest today is an expert at helping people to get unstuck. His name is Anthony Santianis, and I'm very much looking forward to, to hearing what he has to say about getting unstuck and how to figure out how you can always know the next step to take. We'll be talking to Anthony right after the titles. Stay with us. Welcome to Points of Change, the show where week by week I will be chatting with coaches, mentors, experts, change makers, people who have achieved or are helping other people to achieve incredible transformations in life, business, health, relationships or any area. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and never miss an episode to find your points of change. Official welcome to Anthony Santianis. It's great to be talking to you. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, glad to be here, John. Thank you so much for having me. And wh where in the world are you joining us from? I know you told me you were traveling at the moment. So where are you right now? So currently, uh, so I'm in the United States. Um, I'm in Oklahoma. Uh, so my wife, four kids, and our dog, Dakota, uh, we're traveling all 48 contiguous U.S. states this year. So um, so yeah, so we start in January, we get back to Texas, uh, October 29th. So that's the plan. Fantastic. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun and uh, a great experience for all of you. So I, I wish you the, the best of journeys all the way around there. Thank As you. we got, we've got you here today to talk about getting unstuck. Tell us exactly what you do, uh, or who you're helping to get unstuck. Gotcha. Yeah. So you know, I, my audience is typically, uh, you know, young leaders, uh, not young in terms of age, but young in terms of experience. Uh, those leaders who, uh, you know, they've done all the right things. They've got, you know, you can look at their life and they've got the good grades. They got, they went to the right school. They, you know, they, they've done all the right things, um, but they still want more, right? There, it's like, there's still something, you know, there, there's gotta be more than just that checklist of things to do. Uh, and especially in the world of leadership, uh, you know, you get promoted, you become that leader in your first role and you go, OK, you know, I've arrived. Uh, but then you, you realize that well, that's where the real work starts. And that's that's what that, that's where I'm at right now, John. It's, it's very interesting for me in a lot of my coaching experience over the years. Many of the people who I work with end up finding themselves in situations where they've risen up or, or they end up being in a top position somewhere but have never really been given the tools or the know-how to be able to lead. So is that primarily where you can come in and help them move forward? Absolutely. Yeah, the way you framed it is perfect, John. The You know, I, I was fortunate. I went to a military college, uh, you know, and then was in the military. So, uh, you know, between the two, uh, it's been almost 13 years kind of in a military lifestyle. Uh, and you know, for me, what I found was, um, you know, I think I took for granted that it's it's just part of the curriculum. It's part of the education that you get those leadership principles and tools. Um, but then when I got out of the military, I realized that, you know, not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets that, that opportunity. It's really, it's whatever you just happen to get from your last supervisor or boss. And you go, okay, well, that, that must be what leadership is, you know? And so hopefully they were good, but, but more often than not, you find, like you said, they just they, they didn't have the tools uh, to really be effective or as effective as they could be. Yeah. So that that can be the, the some of the cause of this. What are the things that 
people most often tend to get wrong when they find themselves in new leadership positions? The, the biggest thing is that they think it's about them, right? That as, as, a, as a leader, um, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of leaders where they say, well, you know, I don't think they respect me enough. I don't think that they're going to listen to me. I don't think that um, they're hearing me, that they understand what I want. Uh, and in all of that kind of language, it's all about them, right? It's all about, you know, the, how they're perceived, whether or not, again, they're respected, status, all those kinds of things. And that's the biggest thing, you know, I think for uh, the first thing as a leader, if you want to be really effective, you've got to, you know, people talk about the servant, you know, leader mindset. Um, but when I think about it, you know, it, it's, you know, what are you doing as a leader every day to promote the success of those people that are supposed to be following you? Because uh, if you're doing that, you're, you don't have to worry about those other things. They will happen. Yeah. So it's taking that stance of the leader as servant, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Which which I think is is all too often missing in the world in general. Who in your mind would be a good example of that? So uh, for me, you know, you know, so I'm on the John Maxwell team. I'm a coach, speaker and trainer on the John Maxwell team. And um, so, of course, for me, the first person I think of is John Maxwell. Uh, you know, he, he's someone who uh, if, you, if you ever if you ever had the chance, John, to go to one of his events, whether virtual or live, um, you know, it, he, he's so committed to the audience and he's so committed to the people that are coming um, to see what he's doing, to, to use his products and services and things. Um, you know, it's, it's not about him at all. Um, even when he does really well, even when he gets a standing ovation, um, uh, you know, he always gives credit to some high, you know, to the, to, to higher powers, you know, he doesn't, he says, you know, they're not, they're not clapping for me. They're clapping for you. Right. Um, and so for me that, I mean, that for me is like the, that's the best example I can think of when I think of, of someone who really lives that servant leadership style. Yeah. I know I, I enjoy very much uh, reading and studying Stoic philosophy. And I think uh, in my mind, although we have no real idea of what it would have looked like or even what he would have sounded like uh, in person, uh, Marcus Aurelius is probably the, one of the greatest historical examples to, to my oh. mind of the sort of the servant leader, the people who you know his, his uh, sense of duty and responsibility to, to being able to help his uh, the people who he was responsible for and, and the people he was leading um, is, uh, to me, uh, an inspiration of, of leadership that we sadly don't see nearly as much. I mean, is, is there anyone in, in the sort of world of um, sort of maybe more corporate business who, who you see perhaps at least uh, living up to some of that? You know, I would, if I had to think of someone like, you think of corporate, um, so I follow and, and listen to a lot of what Bill Gates talks about as well. So, you know, if I look at what Bill Gates, what him and, you know, his wife, Melinda Gates, you know, in the, in the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, that's an example where I think, you know, in terms of someone who um, had a lot of corporate responsibility, corporate leadership, right, with Microsoft, and then really has, I think, kind of grown beyond just making, you know, profits and making good products. You know, what, what him and his wife, Melinda, do is, is really focus on how do we serve the planet? How do we serve human beings? all life, if you will. Um, so when, if I think of a corporate example, he's probably the, probably one of the closer ones. Yeah. So when it, when it actually comes to moving forward with po positive and powerful leadership, you talk about getting people unstuck. If you were working with somebody and say, okay, I know I've just got this new leadership position. I feel out of my depth. I, I don't really know what to do. Where do you start? So the first thing I want to get a handle on is, you know, what is it that they want, 
right? What's your, what's your desired outcome? Cause for me, um, and it's gotta be a really well-defined specified outcome. You know, it, it can't be, well, I just want to be happier. I, I want to be more satisfied. I want to feel like I'm doing good work. Um, cause you can be doing great, amazing things and still not feel that way. Right. So, so I'm not really looking for a feeling. I'm looking at what is the, the outcome? What is it you want to achieve? Um, and then kind of knowing that that gives me an idea of sort of where their focus is. Uh, cause then from there I can go, okay, you know, how much time are we committing to this? Where are you at today relative to that? You know, if you're, you know, for example, um, you know, I've worked with leaders where, you know, they, you know, I had, I had a leader, for example, and she led a, a team and, uh, it, and what they did was that their team was responsible for, um, what we call alerts and, and a piece of software where basically what it did is it was for the trucking industry and it let them know where say road closures were. Right. So it was really important work, work that you had to be really good at, because if you were wrong, you could potentially let a truck drive through an area that was unsafe. Right. So, you know, kind of a, I don't, I don't know that you'd call it high stress, but definitely some high consequences if we do it wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, and so really with, with her, you know, I remember working with her and she said, you know, you know, for me, what I really want is I want my team to come in, feel confident in what they do, right. Feel good about what they do. Um, and then, but more than that, like, like just have a, a certain level of self-respect for themselves and the work they're doing, right. Um, that they're not just a cog in the machine, right. And that they're replaceable and, you know, we can, Hey, you know, she wanted to get away from that, that, that idea or that mindset. Um, and not that they all had that, but some did. And, um, you know, so that was something like, okay, got it. Okay. Now then we could go back and say, okay, now how do they feel today? Right. Where are we at today relative to how many people feel like this? Why do they feel like this? Where does that stem from? Um, and then from there, you know, I, I prefer coaching that's based is more inquiry based, right? You know, I'm a believer that, um, you know, I'm not there to fix anyone. Um, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't broken. She didn't need me to come in and, uh, you know, put her back together or anything like that. Um, and, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in the subconscious and that, you know, she knows what the answer is. We've, I've just got to help her find it is all. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think uh, to my mind, coaching is much, uh, if coaching isn't empowering the person being coached, uh, if it's if it's all about what the coach knows and what the coach tells you to do, it's not really coaching at all. It's uh, uh, you know you're being handheld and and you, know, you can maybe make a case for for mentoring in that sense, but uh, uh, realistically, even men, even good mentoring should be empowering people to move things forward and and say trusting that people do generally know what to do and often just don't trust their intuition on things when they when they perhaps should mm -hmm. second guess themselves overthink things uh all these things that get people stuck which <laughs> which is why we're here um okay so where would you where would you go to next i mean where where would you move on to to help people get really unstuck and what sort of what sort of other areas perhaps do they find commonly people getting stuck in the so the, for me the biggest thing and this is something that i apply personally so for me like the biggest thing is taking action what i find when people get stuck um is you know it, it may be that they don't they haven't really define what they want to do um in some cases they have but then they're still just kind of idling right they're still just kind of spinning through the motions trying to do more research trying to you know well if i just knew more if i just had you know more you know uh more time more money more whatever that is um, and so what I like to do then is, is understand what are those barriers, what's sort of keeping them from taking action. Um, and then really the, the next step is even though, even if we haven't quite deep dove and, and really hammered out all those details, my next biggest thing is, is let's, let's take some action. 
let's make some movement, right? Maybe we don't understand exactly why why this is so hard or or why we're where we feel this lack of confidence. Um, but we can at least take an action and move forward because one of the things that I find personally is it, anytime that I personally get stuck, the first thing I want to do is take action on something, right? Um, usually, I think people get stuck is because there's, there's a certain amount of there's a, there's an amount of uncertainty, right? Where they're just not sure what's going to happen, they're not sure what people are going to think, right? They're, for whatever reason, um, and one of the ways that, that you can build certainty is just by taking action, right? Um, it, whether that's for me, a lot of times that has to deal with my health. So for me, that may be going for a run, uh, going for a walk, lifting weights. Um, even if I wasn't supposed to do that right now, I'll, you know, for me, if, I, if I'm just feeling really stuck and I need to get out of that that mindset and sort of break that, um, I'll just I'll just go be physically active. And every time I come back, I'm always ready to go. Um, so the next thing I'll always do is even if we haven't quite figured that out, let's come up with a, a series of things that, that that person feels, you know, pretty strong that they can achieve, um, that they can accomplish over the, say the next week, next few days, next 24 hours, depending on how urgent this, this, this action is needed. And then, um, and then let's do that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. that way we feel for me, the biggest thing is they've got to be okay with taking movement, even when they're not sure of exactly what to do. Right. Because that's the biggest thing I think gets people stuck is, like you said, there's some uncertainty there. They're just not sure. Uh, yeah, it's a, a, few, a few things. A few things come up for me whilst you're saying this as well in terms of like a lot of the time, I think it's sometimes perfectionism that's stopping people mm -hmm. from from taking action in the first place and being able to move anything forward because it's like well having that uncertainty what's the right thing to do and feeling that there are often people don't give themselves room for for making the errors or for being willing to perhaps be wrong or, or look a bit foolish or like maybe not look like the expert or the, uh, the the omnipotent leader that they perhaps feel that they should look like yeah yeah do you do you feel that do you, i mean is that something you encounter when you're working with people as well I, I do. Um, and I'll be honest, I, you know, I, I struggled with that myself for a bit. Um, so one of the things that I do, and I, and I borrowed this from John Maxwell, um, I have a word of the year every year now. Um, so this is something I started uh, probably a few years ago. Um, but one of the things like for me personally, uh, you know, if I go back to uh, 2019, um, there was there were several moments where I was really indecisive, where I was in that spot of, you know, I. It, you know, I, I, I need more information. I need to do more research. And then ultimately, not that not that it was extremely costly, but that there were certain decisions that I delayed three, four, five, six weeks even. And the outcome was no different than had I made the same decision six weeks before. Like it, it didn't matter to do that. Um, and so one of my words, uh, my, my word for 2020 was actually action. You know, was that, you know, to, to overcome that even when, um, I don't have all the information. I don't have everything that needs to ha you know, happen. And, and of course, it was really ironic that 2020 was my year for action. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, but that's what it was, you know. And so, um, but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever have that um, for anyone that's listening, if, if you feel like it's got to be perfect. Yeah. Um, for one, it won't be. Uh, and then um, and if yeah, it it just won't be. <laughs> I'll just be frank with you. Um, it just won't be. Yeah. I mean, just very recently in fact just before we were recording this i was speaking with a, a very knowledgeable gentleman called eric twigs about procrastination uh, and we were talking about getting into 
uh, action taking and uh, th this whole thing of uh, well if you are focused if you're focused on things being perfect and this is what I think my marketing coach says all the time as well uh, done is better than perfect every single time because it it becomes uh, perfectionism actually becomes a tool for procrastination a means of procrastination and putting things off because it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be good enough. You have to get into the perfecting rather than perfection mindset, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so cool. Okay, great. And what, another thing I thought about this is I, uh, and I, I forget exactly where it comes from because I listen to a lot of audio books. So I know it's from one of my recent listens, but um, it was some, some study into the idea of, because uh, you talked about running and, and going out, that if you uh, go for a walk or you need a conversation or a discussion to to move forward, to actually take someone for a walk with you, like coaching someone and they feel really stuck, take them for a walk. The whole thing of facing and moving in a direction is psychologically triggering this idea of, of moving forward uh, and getting getting things moving. So, so I think that's a, a fascinating idea. It's a strategy that has been used uh, by certain politicians as well in the past to help move forward stuck negotiations and things like that to, to go and have a walk. I think one of the ones that was talked about in terms of using this was uh, um, Reagan and, and Gorbachev. And uh, but yeah, it was a, a strategy to sort of get out of gridlocked conversations and to at least have that sensation of moving forward. So, you know, going for a run or a walk could be the perfect thing to do to help you get and feel a bit unstuck, right? Absolutely, yeah. And it's and it's one of those things too that I, th I think we take for granted that, uh, you know, the way our, our systems work in our body, you know, so, um, you know, so my, my undergrad degree is actually in health and wellness. And so, um, you know, so I've got to study the body and how it works and vitamins and diet and exercise and how all those things play into it. Um, but I think one of the things that, that people don't take for granted or they take for granted is that, um, you know, that, that you can achieve what you want to, that your brain functions at a certain level, that your ideas develop at a certain level and that there's sort of this constant. And, and, and I think we fail to appreciate that. Um, what really gets the brain going is that physical activity. You know, it's, it's, like you said, and, and, and I like that. I, I'm not sure I haven't, I haven't read that one yet or, or listened to that one yet, John, but um, I, I definitely like that idea of, you know, actually physically moving your body in a direction um, as a psychological tool to, um, to trigger your mind to move forward. I like that. But, you know, I've actually come across some coaches, mainly in the UK, who, who do this as a coaching style, actually uh, take a walk. And I, uh, uh, there's one guy who does regular videos of walking and invites people to go and join him on his walks as well. Um, perhaps a bit less so with uh, COVID restrictions and things. But, um, yeah, as a tool for just even having that feeling of you're moving and things are happening, you are you are taking action whilst you're having the conversation, even if it's not direct action on the thing you may be thinking or talking about. But, uh, yeah, I think it's... Uh, potentially a, a great strategy i'll have to check out where it came from uh, and where i got that from and let you know but uh, you know i know it's one of my no it's one of my recent listens so when people are coming into leadership and they, they feel a bit overwhelmed and they feel a bit stuck they can start getting into action but you talk as well about getting into the right kind of action like knowing what the next step is to take yeah and to uh, how to always know what that's going to be for you H how do you do that and is it, is it just from doing something or can you actually start to be a bit more calculated about taking the right kinds of action absolutely yeah you definitely want to be um you know so initially you know i want people just to take action right just just get used to being comfortable um, but there's a, you know, the next actually comes from um, the seven habits of the highly successful um, or of highly successful people. 
um, where we talk about sort of the four quadrants of task, right? Where, um, you know, if we think about task as either important or not important, urgent or not urgent, we can create a quad chart, right, of task. And, you know, what I always encourage people to do is, is you know, what we call the, those sort of important, not urgent tasks. And what that means is those tasks that are really preventative in nature, but aren't necessarily due today, right? Um, again, just coming back to health is always an easy example. Money is also a great example of this, right? Um, and actually, let's we'll, we'll talk money. I mean, people like talking about money, right? So yeah. um, if you think about your money, for example, um, you know, for if you're if you're a twenty something, thirty something, forty something, maybe even fifty something, right? You don't necessarily need to save for for retirement right now, right? So we would call that an important, not urgent, right? Where um, it is important that we prepare for retirement, but we don't necessarily have to do it right this moment. Right. Um, yeah. If I went a year, two years, three years without investing or saving or doing anything like that to build my wealth or whatever that that, that vehicle is for retirement, um, you know, I'd probably be fine. I would live. Right. Um, but by the time I hit 65, 66, 67, now suddenly this is an important, urgent task. Right. Um, it's always been important, but now it's now there's a time piece to it right now. But the problem is, is that it, it's kind of too late. Right. Um, you know, so what I always wanted to do people once once I get done with trying to get that just get momentum get movement going I then want to look at their schedule and go okay now of your schedule how much of your time you're committing to this when are you committing to it um, and are we committing time to firefighting or are we committing our time to again build that and take those actions that prevent fires in the future because uh, you're always going to have those you're always going to have the things that that happen um, that that you know you weren't expecting you didn't see coming but for the most part, that shouldn't be all of your day. <laughs> your whole day shouldn't be firefighting. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the bulk of your day should be committed to those things that are um, a little bit more deliberate, a little bit more intentional in order to get you to those goals and objectives. Okay. Well, what would you say to someone who's more like me, who has a habit of taking on too many things and trying to achieve too much to, to all at once? So that's where, you know, John, uh, I think I think if anyone that's listening to this show is probably in that boat. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think for for you know, th this is a show that I think really caters to those high achievers, those overachievers, right? Um, and so I think for most people that listen, they're going, "Ooh, yes!" Like this, this is me too. Um, you know, when I think of when I think of that, what I want to come back to is is what is that driving force, right? That that we feel compelled to do that. Um, Tony Robbins actually has a really interesting exercise. Um, I don't know if you've ever, you may have, if you've ever been to uh, like his UPW event um, or even like his leadership academy, he does this. And um, what, he'll ask three questions um, where he asks you, he'll ask you first off, you know, um, and not to get, you know, not to get too deep into our childhood memories, but um, he'll ask you, you know, of your parents or whoever raised you, right? So whether you're your, your birth parents, adopted, grandparents, whoever it is that raised you. Um, you know, whose love did you seek out the most is the first question he'll ask. And for me, you know, I'd say that's my mom. Um, and then he'll say, uh, you know, well, who's and, and not necessarily that because you didn't get it, but because that, that may just that may have been the parent that was around the most, whatever that was. Right. Just whoever it was. And then the next question he asks is, who did you have to be to get their love? Right. Um, and for my mom, you know, for, for a good bit of my youth, my mom was a single mom. Um, I have three younger brothers. Um, so, you know, there were, there was a point where, you know, there's three or four of us in the house. We also had cousins that lived with us at various points in time. Right. So here she is a single mom trying to feed five, six people, um, especially teenage boys, right. That, that can be a lot. Uh, and you know, uh, so there were these periods where in order to do that, my mom had to work a lot, right. She worked, you know, she worked a lot. She worked weekends. 
Um, and so really the weekend, you know, even the time that she was home, it was like she was always busy. You know, so so um, not that, you know, if we needed something that was urgent, she was always there for us. But there was a lot of time where it was like, we've got to be really self-reliant. We've got to be really independent, be able to take care of ourselves. Right. Um, and she also didn't accept average. Um, I was fortunate uh, at the time. I didn't realize this. I remember uh, in seventh grade was the first year I actually had to pick classes um, as a student. And I actually picked all of like the normal class. I was like, you know, I don't want to do any advanced stuff. I just want to do just put me in the average middle middle ground. Um, and my mom literally went back, erased all my requests and put me in all advanced courses. I was not allowed to take a regular course, um, you know, and then when I took those courses, I was not allowed to get a C. Right. It was A's and B's, you know, like, um, you know, so so you had to be an achiever in our house. Uh, my brother, he played football. Um, my brother, Dave, he's my closest in terms of age. He's the one closest to me. Um, they were state champions. Right. So, again, like we didn't do things. We, could, we couldn't be average in our house. And so. Uh, but then what Tony Robbins then will ask you is, you know, what did, who did, who are you not allowed to be right in order to get that love? So who did you love the most? Who did you have to be? Who are you not allowed to be? Right. So for us, we weren't allowed to be needy. Um, we weren't allowed to, um, you know, not have a solution to a problem. Like we weren't allowed to quit. We weren't, there were so many, you know, we weren't allowed to do those things. Um, and so what I realized as an adult going through that exercise was there were a lot of times where like for me, for example, um, you know, it's, it's hard, even now it's still hard for me to ask for help, right? Because I, I, it has been so ingrained to me to be independent, to be self-reliant, to have the solutions. Um, it can be a challenge for me, right? So, um, and not, not in your case, John, not that I'd want to go back and, you know, uh, understand your relationship with your, you know, with, with, with who raised you, but, um, I would, I, potentially I would come back and go, okay, you know, why do you feel this? Why do you feel so compelled to achieve all these things, right? You know, arguably you've achieved success, right? Um, you know, what is it you're looking for that you expect from these things that, um, that you don't currently have, or that you don't believe you have. Right. And then, um, if we, if, if by the end of that conversation, we get to a point where we say, okay, even after all that, even after going through that, we still think we need to achieve that. That's where, again, we come back to blocking out time, scheduling time for these things. Um, and then really, you know, um, not, not, not reducing or minimizing what it is that we want to get out of it, but getting a realistic view of, okay, how much time do we need to do this? Can we achieve this in the time we propose or do we want to try to achieve something else? Yeah. Well, one of the, I don't know if I, if I told you this when we spoke before, but uh, one of the things that I, I've been doing over the last uh, 10 years or so has been working with um, Harv Eker. If you know Harv is the Secrets of the Millionaire Mind guy. And and so I've been doing coaching and training for them. And uh, and uh, um, in those early days when Harv was still doing a lot more live events and stuff, uh, he's pretty much uh, semi-retired now and uh, moving to Hawaii. But uh, in, in those times, I can remember hearing Harv say time and time again, you can have everything you want, but you can't have it all at once. And I think I probably had to hear that message multiple times before it really sunk in and say, all right, yeah, not not all at once. Let's just get focused on uh, what he calls your, your big rocks, you know, the most important stuff. And some of the other things you can actually let go a bit. That was the realization for me that allowed me to sort of start rocketing forward with things and, and starting to see some real results. Not, not that I had no results before, but it, right. it just it just changed everything when when I was like, okay, I can't don't necessarily have to have like one or only one laser focus on one thing, but if I cut the noise out and drop a few things or at least say, hmm, maybe come back to that a bit later, I actually have the, a lot more potential to move forward much more powerfully with the most important things that I'm working on right now. 
yeah that's been, that's been my general experience uh, since then as well but I, but I, I love i love this i think it's, it's really important to get to get people unstuck in these sorts of areas who typically comes to you then and at what point do they usually come to you so it's um you know it's it's Again, coming back to that, that that young leadership group, um, you know, I'll be honest, John. You know, I, I wouldn't call it executive coaching. I, you know, I've advised business owners um, and executive level leadership on things, um, but I don't. I don't think it fits into coaching. I don't. I wouldn't call it that. They're going, "Hey, what do you think I should do about this?" And I say, "Well, here's my, you know, here's my opinion on it." And they go, "Okay, you know, yes or no, we're going to do that." So, so I don't call that coaching. Um, you know, those that come to me and say, "Hey, look, here's the problem I have." You know, can we meet every week for an hour just so I can, you know, so we can determine next steps and and can you just give me a process so that we can go through this? Um, that group again, that's those young leaders. That's the ones that um, most likely have either been they're they're new to their leadership role or they're new to some leadership problem. Um, you know, I've been fortunate that, and again, not that I try to, to you know, not that I try to tell them what to do, but I've been fortunate. You know, I got to lead soldiers in Iraq on two deployments, um, so I've got to see. Um, I've got to see leadership to that level. And then I've also been in, you know, I've been in office environments, you know, pre COVID uh, where, you know, predominantly, you know, everyone in that office has been in that office for 10, 12, 15 years. They've never worked outside that environment. Um, or if they have, it was in a similar role, right? So very different sets of problems. You know, those are two very different sets of problems um, yeah. and challenges. Um, you know, so, so, you know, with that though, I get the opportunity to, Someone comes in, they say, I've never experienced this before. It's likely I've experienced it. And I feel confident to be able to talk to that. Um, and also, I think that what works for me is that um, I've always, you know, I, I've been leading teams since I was about 18 years old. Um, so, you know, for me, and I don't say that's a brag, I just say to make the point that, like, I know what it feels like to run into that problem for the first time. Um, and I know what I wish somebody would have said to me then. Um, so that's really that group that, that, that I really do better, best with. Yeah, great. How, how much of an issue do you tend to find something like perhaps imposter syndrome? So I'm thinking that must be kind of a big issue for people who find themselves in in new leadership positions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's any, any again, anytime I hear someone say something like, well, you know, I don't think they you know, they respect me. I don't think that they trust me. I don't think they believe me. Um, or in the case where like especially when it's like disciplinary action, that's probably one area where I see it uh, where someone says, you know, well, you know, I just started, I just got in this role or whatever that might be. And, you know, and it's almost like um, if they had been there longer or if they had a, had a reputation for doing it, then they'd be in a better position to whatever that, whatever that, that, that action might be to take. Right. Um, and so again, you know, when I think about that though, what I, what I like to just remind people is, you know, at some point, like in order to get past that, you, you have to do, you have to take action. Um, until it becomes second nature, uh, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, you think about like a child walking, right? You know, when a child learns to walk, um, they don't go, well, well, I shouldn't do this. I've never done this before. I, I'm not, I'm not the best person, you know, if they did, right. Or if we told them that as adults, right, we'd all be crawling around still. Right. Um, so same thing when we get to that point, when someone comes to me and um, with that kind of language, it's okay. What, what can we do? You know, what's the smallest thing that we can do today that we can, sort of make progress on that to get over that yeah and i was thinking that if you were if you were in a uh not you specifically but no it's just in general if someone's in a a plane crash and everyone survives but you're in the middle of nowhere and um 
somebody says, all right, let's go this way. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Uh, but someone else who who may be even uh, an expert in some areas saying, well, we could do this, but if we do this, it's like going to be like this, or we're not really sure, and maybe go to this point. People are going to follow the person who's confident, even if they haven't got a, a clue what they're really doing, because it's such a it's such an important element. So so confidence plays such a such a big part there, right? Uh, I think we've seen this. You know, we talked about the, the all the issues with COVID and stuff. That, I think that's been a big part of it as well for so many people that even with all these issues, it's the confident voices, the people are saying, okay, all this is going on, but here's what we're gonna do, that people are uh, needing and reaching out for. And in business environments as well, that's what they want. They don't want someone who's gonna um and ah and second guess themselves and be like, well, uh, I don't want to annoy anybody here, but <laughs> it's like, that's not what anyone wants, a bit of assertiveness, a bit of confidence, just say, okay, um, you know, it might not be the right decision. You don't need to tell them that, but this is what we're gonna do. This is how I see it. And this is, this is the plan of action I made is still gonna be far more productive than uh, any kind of vacillating on a direction or, or some activity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's great. You bring it up, John. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. If you can just, you know, I'll, I'll give you just an example of, uh, I'll give you two examples, good and bad. Um, you know, I, I, we had, so in the, in the last organization I was with, uh, where I was the operations manager there, uh, we had brought in some, uh, an investing group. But at the time, we didn't have like a 401k plan, but we wanted to at least provide opportunities for employees to get educated on investing, those kinds of things. Um, there's a 401k plan now, but at the time there wasn't. So we bring this group in um, and I remember they came in and it, it was one of the worst presentations I've ever seen. Um, they brought in equipment that didn't quite work like it was supposed to. Um, you could tell they didn't really know the presentation. Um, like, a, by the you know, you, you kind of it was a, a sort of like a canned presentation that just everyone got. Um, it, it wasn't created by them. You could tell because they're like looking at the slide. They didn't really know what was going on um, or they would skip back and forth between slides. Like it was just it was just awful. By the end of it, not a single person invested with them. You know, so we had, you know, we had about 100 employees at the time. Not one person said, hey, can I get their phone number? Like not one person <laughs> asked uh, for their information. Um, and it, to your point, it's it's that I think it was that lack of confidence. Like like because it, because we didn't get that confidence from them, we're not going to give our money to them, right? We're definitely not, you know if you're not confident about just a presentation, maybe you really are great at investing. I don't know, but but if, if I can't even get a presentation out of you, no, you're not getting my money either. Um, you know, on the flip side of that, uh, we as you know we we did a uh, they're actually the company I was with uh, Promile Software. Um, they're actually doing this right now. They're implementing uh, Salesforce, right? It's a CRM software. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, when, when we came on and we did our first demos with them, and even though this is going to cost, you know, several thousand dollars, um, it was like, it was a very clear, they were so confident in how they presented it. And there was a customized solution for us. It was like a no brainer. It was, well, of course we're going to buy this product. Right. Um, so I think, you know, to your point, you know, in leadership, it works. It also works really well in sales, you know, um, but definitely yeah, it, it's, yeah, no one wants to follow a leader that's that has doubt or is like that's the word. Like, just pretend. If nothing else, just pretend, and people will go, "Okay, yeah, I'm right behind you. I got you." You know. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how much of a difference it makes in situations like if it's not already uh, a simple choice and decision. There is the the person and the level of confidence you can have in the person behind it is going to be one of the deciding factors very often in many situations is that people say pe people buy uh, or people invest in other people people buy people rather than products so well, 
maybe not 100% true, but, but I think there's a lot of truth in it. And uh, and people do want to know who they are. Now, you have watched anything like uh, you know, the Shark Tank, right? In the, in the UK, it's called uh, Dragon's Den. You know, that level of confidence, that sort of leadership quality of knowing what you're doing, but also being able to back it up. I mean, it's not, uh, we're not talking about sort of the um, used car salesman who's just trying to get you to buy and uh, and right. using some sleazy sales tactics to do that, but actually having the the knowledge and the experience and the activity and the energy into what you're doing to, to know what you're talking about. That's the stuff that gives you confidence as well, right? I mean, confidence is ultimately about having a level of predictability in an outcome. Would you agree? Absolutely. And in, 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 in the, in the one thing, too, that, you know, the only, you know, we can't control other people, but we can control ourselves. Right. You know, if, if there's if there's any mindset that you have control or anyone you have influence over more than anyone else, it's yourself. Right. So um, that, that's yeah, that's the best way to build confidence is, is like you said, you know, if, if you under, if you can kind of predict what those results are going to be through consistency, that's the way to go. Um, what then, um, maybe some of this is recapping, but what then are the key guiding principles for you in helping people get unstuck? So number one is, um, you know, and this is something that I do every day. So um, so I meditate in the mornings. Uh, this is something that um, I've started doing recently. It's nice, I'm not, you know, um, I haven't been doing this forever uh, by any means, but something I started doing recently. And one of the things that I, that I do at the end of my meditation is um, I always kind of speak out uh, to the universe, if you will, um, some people would, you know, they would, they would call it, you know, prayer or something like that. But, um, you know, the way I see it, you know, I, I kind of just speak out and say, you know, to, to whoever it is that I need to serve most today, you know, may I cross paths with them and serve from a place of love. Right. Um, and, and for me, what that means is, you know, w- one of my principles is that as, lo- as long as I continue to make it about you and as long as I continue to see you as having infinite potential to seeing you as complete and whole and me, I'm not there to repair you or fix you, um, then I will treat you as such, right? Um, if I see you as broken, damaged, uh, if I don't see you as a 10, I see you as like a five, um, then I'm going to treat you that way. Um, and unfortunately, that's not, that doesn't serve you for me to do that. So for, you know, for me, the number one principle is to, is to see people that way, right? Um, see them as infinite potential, um, come from a place of love, um, not come from a place of judgment, or a place of, again, sort of my own soapbox, if you will. Um, and then the second thing I would say is, is always, you know, and you hear this a lot, you know, kind of this idea of over-delivering, um, yeah. you know, it, in it, but for me, what that means is, is someone tells me, you know, I want A, B, and C. And that for me, that is going to be, that's, that, for me, that's the minimum expectation. Um, you know, remember my mom, she didn't let me be average. Right? She didn't let me, she didn't let me do minimum. Um, so for me, that that's the minute when someone says, this is what I want, I say, okay, that's where we're going to start from right now. What are the next three, four, five, ten 10 things that I can do, um, to really take that to the next level. So, um, so service and over deliver. Yeah. So I love that. That kind of comes back to what we started off talking about the leadership as service kind of principles as well. And, and so what you described there is how you put yourself in that in that feeling and mindset and energy of of the service through leadership. So that fits in very nicely. Perfect. Um, one that I want to want to know from you is um, what what brought you to this? What was your uh, what's the reason you're passionate about helping people get unstuck? Was this like from something in your own experience, or has it just been something that you've ended up helping people with and realized, hey, I can actually get, help people get some real results here? 
It's, you know, it was, uh, it was one of those things. Uh, my uncle said this one time, he said, it ha- you know, when he describes how things happen, he says, you know, he says it happened both ways um, over time and all at once. Right. <laughs> so uh, for me, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, if I look at sort of throughout my career, um, you know, I had the opportunity to, to, again, just do some really cool, exciting things that a lot of people don't get to do. I got to be in environments that people don't typically get to operate in. Um, I got to lead people in ways that a lot of people don't get to. Um, and what I realized, uh, actually, just, to, you know, I know I sound like a John Maxwell cheerleader. Um, I kind of am. But, uh, you know, one of his books that, that really affected me was The Five Levels of Leadership. Um, and I actually I read that book in 2018 and it was one of his books where, um, you know, I was a leader. I was really good at getting results. Um, and in John's book, that's like level three. So just kind of a quick in a nutshell, level one is uh, leading based off title and authority. Right. You lead because you're the boss. Level two is you lead because of what what you've done for people. So people respect you because you're because you, you you give them accolades, you give them rewards. Uh, level three is is people follow you because you get results, right? You get things done. Um, and I was really good at level three. I got all the way up to level three and you've got to go through all five. And I was really good at level three, but I read that book and um, level four is all about leaders developing other leaders who then go on to develop other leaders, right? Um, and for me, that that's where I'm at now um, is level four. Um, and, I, and, and I realized that because, you know, there were some, some situations when I reflect, you know, through a lot of reflection, um, where there were, there were people where we got really good results and then I left and then their results just kind of petered out, right? They just didn't quite, um, you know, you know, people go, Hey, you know, can you, can you help them out? Can you coach them? Can you do something? Um, and what I realized was I didn't actually set that person up for success, right? I was probably telling them what to do, not teaching them how to think, right? Mm -hmm. How to think effectively. Um, and so in kind of realizing that that was far more painful than than not getting results like for me the most painful thing was we get results and then you know i move out of the picture and those results fall off right that for me that was a leadership failure on my part um and so that's where i got to where i'm at today where for me that the most enriching things that, you know when I, when I reflect on my experiences the best experience i've had regardless of industry regardless of, of job title pay regardless of any of that kind of stuff for me that the most the i guess rewarding things for me were those moments whenever, you know, I'm working with a leader and then, you know, weeks go by, months go by, years go by, and now they're working with other leaders, right? And helping prepare them for their next step and helping them get unstuck. Um, that for me, so, so yeah, so all at once and, and slowly over time is, is sort of how I got into this. Sure. What, what has been one of your favorite results that you've supported someone in achieving? So, you know, I had I had the opportunity to lead. So I'm a Lean Six Sigma black belt. So basically, I'm I'm trained in how to improve processes following a very methodical approach. Um, and I got to lead my first wave of what we call green belt. So there, there it's a little bit less uh, training than a black belt gets. Um, but I actually got to lead a wave and get them to a point of certification. So uh, for me, the the cool thing about that was there, there was a, there were a couple of folks that did really well. And um, and to see them take what they learned and then apply that in the business um, where they just had they had a confidence about themselves. Like, like to see them go from like, you know, this, these are people that have been in the organization, whether they've been there for 10 years or six months. Right. But to see them have just just feel empowered to make decisions, to lead projects, to lead process improvement. Right. Um, where everyone wins. Right. The organization wins because they get a much more effective process and a much more effective leader. 
Um, but then that individual wins, the teams that they were leading won. Um, like there was just no like there was so much winning going on. Like um, it, it was hard not to just to, to just really appreciate that. Um, that for me, I would say has probably been the most rewarding because um, those leaders today are still leading. Right. Um, and they're still they're doing the things. Um, they're not doing the exact same way. They've definitely modified them. And, and I give them credit because they've improved it even from what I taught them. Um, but they've taken those things and they're still applying them today to continue to improve what they what they do. And, and that that for me is probably the most rewarding thing. Yeah, very much. It's like the uh, the the leader leadership wisdom of uh, of the the Chinese proverb of the old man planting a tree, knowing that he'll never get to see it in its shade, but planting it for the future generations. It's like um, not calling you an old man, but it's saying you get you get to plant these seeds, and and it rolls on to to other people, to other to the leaders you work with directly, but to all the people that they then go on to positively impact, it rolls out from there. And that's where we create waves of change, not just points of change, but whole waves rippling out as well, which is wonderful. So you've written a whole book about this as well. And so tell, tell us a bit about the book so people can go and check it out. So in the book, uh, basically what, what it is, again, this is this is for that person who you know, if we think about it, when we grow up, um, you know, all the way up to, to depending on where you're at, you know, where your education system, you know, uh, begins and ends and things, um, it, we have this really structured sort of way as, as a child and as youth when we're coming up where there's like, hey, you know, you got to get grades in school, you've got to listen to your parents, right, you've got to be home, at, you know, at, on, at the right time. Um, but then, you know, once you graduate high school or again, whatever that is for you, primary school, then comes college or university. And it's sort of like, and you do all the right things, you get to the right college, you get to the right university. Um, again, maybe, you, you know, you get good grades, you do those things, you graduate, and now you've sort of like, you're in your career, right? Um, and so I think something, you know, when you're in your mid-20s, I think there's like this, this idea that, you know, at least this is what I realized was there's no more checklist, right? It's like, okay, you're an adult now, this is your life, right? You, this is for you to figure out. Um, and there's no more checklist, right? So I think for for some of us, you know, we we look and we say, okay, well, what do I do now, right? Do I am I supposed to just work for the next forty years and then hopefully retire and then die ten years after that or whatever that whatever that timeline is, um, you know? And and I don't think that's it. I think life was meant for more than that. I think it was meant for you know truly enjoying it, embracing the moments, um, you know, having having relationships that are are, are rich with passion and energy. And so what my book does is sort of takes you through that, it takes you through each of the eight areas of life um, to really sort of walk you through it. And, and I don't tell you how to do it. Uh, what I do is offer questions. Um, you know, what I do is just just tell you, you know, this is this is sort of what you have. You know, here's some ways to think about it. You know, here's what you were probably taught. Um, but here's some questions to ask to get you to whatever that next step is um, to, again, tap in, you know, questions that I would ask you in coaching. I'm going to try to get you to kind of maybe coach yourself a little bit um and help you get yourself unstuck um and again the questions are, are done in a way where um not that it's just a book of questions but uh it's done in a way that no matter where you're at in life no matter what age you are um you can ask these questions and they'll they'll lead you to whatever whatever that outcome is you're looking for that's great i don't want to check that out myself i think it's important to ask ourselves good questions we don't spend nearly enough time thinking about things as we could you know one of their skills and, and certainly i know i remember which book this came from but um it was uh, keith cunningham's the road less stupid if you ever read it uh, which to me is, is one of my favorite books in terms of um 
asking good questions because it's all talking about take time to think like some of the best leaders in the world take time out of their schedule just to think to think about these kinds of questions that you're talking about and to work on answering them like coaching yourself for a bit and um, but giving yourself a bit of peace and rather than just like do 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 uh, always taking action stop and think for a while as well and, and make, that's where you maybe hopefully start to get into the right kinds of action and the clearer directions and the inspiration taking some time out to think and recognizing that that is really important i think it's important to make some notes about what you're thinking about as well then just lose it to the ether but uh, but progress yourself forward so great i never want to check that out there's always to me is one of the best things you can do is be asking yourself good questions and if you encounter people like yourself who ask are helping us to ask ourselves better questions and that's always going to be a bonus so we need to sadly need to wrap things up today, but it's been very helpful and very useful to talk to you. If people do want to check out more about you and more about your book, where can they go? Uh, so they can go to my website. It's theefficacious.com. Uh, that's where my business website is. Um, you can also email me, Anthony at theefficacious.com. Uh, or, you know, of course, the books on Amazon, uh, paperback or ebook. So um, those are probably the, the easiest ways to find me. I'm also on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn as well. So um, a number of ways to find me. But yeah, you know, email or my website is probably the best way. The, the book is called Getting Unstuck, is that right? Right, uh, Getting Unstuck, uh, how to always know the next step for you. Perfect, great stuff. Anthony, thank you so much for, for your time and for joining us today on Points of Change. It's been wonderful speaking to you. I hope that people listening are gonna go and check out your book and help get themselves unstuck, ask themselves great questions or come and connect with you and maybe work a bit more directly with you to help get unstuck, especially if you are finding yourself in a new leadership position in your life. Anthony, thank you so much for your time today, for getting up early and coming and joining us from your travels. Really appreciate it, thank you. Thank you, John, appreciate it. Excellent. So we're going to wrap things up there for today, but do come and join us again for future shows. Keep an eye out for the uh, for the points of change events coming up. You'll see notifications, especially if you're subscribed on YouTube and see if we can get the YouTube little thing to pop up on the screen. Uh, so if you can come and follow us on YouTube, find Present Influence, all you need to do is click like, click subscribe, click the bell icon, and you will be notified of all upcoming shows and uh, you won't miss anything that's coming up. Make sure you're following me on Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, and or Twitter or LinkedIn, wherever you can, you'll see the live shows coming out and the notifications. And uh, find us, and make sure you subscribe to the show as well. That way you'll get to hear all of the audios, all the guests who are coming on and check out the back catalogs as well. So let's wrap things up for today and uh, look out for episodes coming up again very soon. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe to the show and don't miss a single episode that's coming up. Also, you may want to check out some of our recent episodes for this brand new show, making sure we understand some of the neuroscience of how we learn. We'll also be finding out how you can prepare yourself for a wealthy retirement through property investing. Don't miss a single episode of that and please support the show in any way that you're able to. Maybe that's subscribing to the show. Perhaps it's picking a particular episode that you like and leaving us a review on Apple. Maybe it's sharing some episodes with your friends because the more of these empowering conversations that we get to share, the more empowered more people end up being. Have an amazing day and I'll see you again very soon for another episode of Points of Change.